clinics. Uh, Spectrum wasn't that way at all. It was really important. Its contribution to the uh, nation was vital, and it was a big and important uh, town. And you're going to see that from many, many aspects, because we're going to talk about the people of uh, Stratford. It began in uh, 1639. It actually began somewhat before that, uh, because it was in the early 1630s uh, when uh, the people of the uh, Puritan persuasion, the Puritans, the Roundheads, the, the Jacobians, those people left England uh, because uh, they did not uh, uh, at all like the uh, the way the church was going. Of course, England had its own national national church. Uh, when the Pope uh, didn't allow Henry VIII to, to uh, get his uh, first divorce or to annul his uh, marriage, uh, Henry uh, changed the church and, and uh, he became the head of the uh, Church of England, actually. Appointed the Archbishop of uh, Canterbury as his uh, stand-in. But uh, then, uh, when uh, after the Tudor line died out, uh, after the death of Elizabeth, uh, they brought down uh, the Scottish uh, kings, who were cousins. And uh, James VI of Scotland became James I of, of England. And it was during this period when the uh, Church of England was becoming more fanciful, was, was becoming closer to uh, Church of Rome and that kind of thing, that the Puritans became uh, very much concerned, very much upset. And his son Charles went uh, even farther. Charles I uh, uh, appointed Archbishop uh, Laud uh, to change the, uh, uh, a great many things about the church. And some of these people just wouldn't stand for that. The only thing they could do was emigrate, and that's what they did. Uh, a great many of them, uh, we, we actually, of the people of Stratford, we don't know where some of them came from, but most of them seem to have emigrated from, the ships left from uh, Essex, uh, uh, Suffolk, uh, the areas to the uh, uh, London and, and the areas to the north and east of London. We do know that three Stratford people, because it's in the records, were in uh, uh, St. Albans earlier, and, and uh, they had to be given permission to emigrate. And they were, uh, it, it is entered into the church records in the cathedral at uh, St. Albans that the Wilcoxons, the Harveys, uh, and the uh, Beardsleys uh, apparently went from there down to London where they took the ship to Stratford. But we don't know where many of them uh, came from. We're not sure where the Judsons came from. Uh, they came across in, in ships that took six to eight to ten weeks. If this looks like the Mayflower, it's because they, uh, they do pretty much look alike. This uh, uh, vessel is actually the Lion, and the Curtis family uh, came to Stratford, and a few uh, uh, other families uh, came on the Lion. But regardless of the name of the vessel, they look pretty much alike. And not all of them made it. Uh, some of them died en route. As a matter of fact, we don't know what happened to the senior Curtis. Uh, there's no record of, of the, there's a record of his widow Elizabeth and, and his sons in Stratford, and uh, there's a record in England that he left England. So he may have died in Boone, or he may have died in, uh, in Massachusetts uh, uh, Bay Colony. But they came to the Bay Colony. These people all came into Boston. Uh, very few of the very early ones uh, anywhere else came into the Boston area uh, mainly. In uh, Stratford. Uh, the first thing that we uh, know about uh, the existence of Stratford is in the old uh, colonial records. In uh, August 1639, uh, Roger Ludlow, Roger Ludlow was uh, uh, the uh, uh, 
lieutenant governor, I guess you call him now. He was the uh, assistant governor, or second governor, second man, the governor's assistant. Uh, Ludlow came down to start a colony down here. What had happened was uh, the year before, in 1638, uh, New Haven uh, had been organized by a separate group, and of course, off to the west, the, uh, the, west, the uh, Dutch were down in uh, Manhattan, and they were pushing in toward this uh, territory. And uh, so the Connecticut colony decided to settle it. They sent Roger Ludlow down, and what do you know? Somebody had already sneaked down from Weathersfield and settled it, apparently. And, and this was uh, Blakeman and uh, his, his uh, uh, herd, or his, his flock. Uh, herd's not the right word, flock. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was a good shepherd, by the way. Uh, he was Church of England. Uh, it's interesting that, that he matriculated uh, uh, at uh, Christ Church uh, in uh, uh, Oxford, Christ Church College in, in uh, Oxford University, uh, in uh, 1619, and uh, you know uh, that uh, James I that I mentioned earlier uh, had the Bible rewritten uh, from about 1608, they finished it in 1611, and it was done by about 80 scholars, 40 of them from Cambridge and 40 of them from Oxford. And that means uh, that uh, Blakeman, uh, Stratford's uh, first uh, minister, what must have been taught by some of the men who wrote the Bible uh, that we uh, grew up on because it was only an eight-year span from the time these scholars finished it and the time that, uh, that he, in fact, uh, was uh, given his, his uh, degree. What did they find when they got here? Well, I was uh, reading last night, I was skimming through a little book called The Judson Papers, written by one of the uh, uh, Judson uh, uh, descendants some years ago. And uh, it talks about uh, two tribes, the... Uh, the, uh, the Quanics and the Capigs. Well, the Capigs were not a tribe. When they came to Stratford, uh, they didn't find many Indians, but there were some. The major tribe in the area uh, was the tribe called the Pagussets. And they were in Shelton and Milford and uh, Stratford. The Pequannocks were over in the uh, Bridgeport area. Uh, Indian tribes, by the way, were, were uh, always named after the place where they uh, lived. That's how the English named them. That's how they ended up speaking of, uh, of themselves. So when they moved from one place to another, it's kind of interesting, the new place sometimes took on the same name. Uh, or uh, a, a tribe might have different names depending upon uh, uh, where it was located. The chief of the Pagusset tribe uh, in uh, 1639, uh, his name was Aunt he lived over in Milford. And you'd hear people talking about the Wepilwogs because he lived on the uh, Wepilwog River, but he was really the chief of the Pagusset. So when they came to Stratford, they probably found a single family and the uh, Indian uh, in charge of it, the one they called the chief in some of these old books, his name was Okanuk. Okanuk was only 19 years old at the time, so I rather doubt that it was more than his own family, really, that they found here in this area, which they call Kapig. Kapig, by the way, is the name that um, was given to the harbor. It means a harbor or a closed-in place. So the little place we call Matt's Harbor in Stratford was really what was Kapig. The pig took on, uh, the uh, colony took on, uh, the uh, plantation really, took on the name Kapig for a while. We don't know how it got the name Stratford. Uh, I was off in England trying to research that uh, this spring. And the one thing I did find out, there's no reference to any one of these people in Stratford-upon-Avon. Uh, I'm still searching out other Stratfords. Uh, one of them uh, near London could very well be uh, the place it's named after because it's, it's where they could have left from 
ships uh, uh, ships uh, uh, sailed from a little port which was actually part of the city of London called uh, uh, Stratford and uh, possibly it's named after that. But we don't know whether it's Stratford-upon-Avon or, or, or Fetty Stratford or Stony Stratford or uh, Stratford St. Mary's, which is up near Ipswich. Uh, that's a good candidate, too, because a lot of the vessels left from uh, Ipswich. We don't know. Uh, Anywho, uh, this is what they found. It, it was a generation before they paid the Indians anything. The reason they uh, knew about Stratford was that they had some trouble up at the uh, Connecticut uh, colony in 1637. Uh, nine colonists were killed by marauding Indians. Uh, so they formed a, a, a group under uh, uh, Colonel Mason. They formed a group of about a uh, hundred people and about 90 uh, friendly Indians. And they went after the, uh, uh, the Pequot tribe. And their headquarters, most Pequots were down near New London or, or near uh, uh, what is uh, now uh, Mystic uh, in that area. Uh, and they went down and they slaughtered them. They uh, killed men, women, and children. The English were just as brutal uh, as the Indians had been. Uh, there, uh, there was no, uh, the, the, the uh, civilized demeanor that we think of uh, these days just didn't exist. Uh, the Indians slaughtered the colonists. The, the colonists uh, thought of the Indians as, as lowly animals. In fact, they chased the remainder of them all the way down to uh, Fairfield. And uh, in the Sasko Swamp in Fairfield is where they, they finished them off. Well, uh, the Pequots uh, were a pretty tough bunch. And uh, they had the Pequonics under their control, really, and to some extent the Pagusset. Although the Pagusset stayed inland, stayed out of the way, pretty much. So when the Pequots went under, uh, the uh, Pequonics did with them, too. Therefore, Stratford was considered as conquered territory, not as territory that needed to be lost. Their conscience got to them a generation later, and they did uh, uh, go out and, and uh, pay some money or, or pay some uh, things to uh, some Indians uh, for the town later on. But they lived here for 35, 40 years, uh, assuming it was conquered territory. And that's how they discovered Stratford. It was, it was the men who were in that uh, 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 that military group, semi-military uh, uh, group, who, who uh, discovered that the lands down here by what they call the sea were a lot nicer than those that they uh, uh, had up in the Hartford, Weathersfield, uh, Windsor area. And so they decided to, to uh, start uh, settlements down here. And that's why they came down. The uh, Judsons were among them. In fact, there's a story that William Judson and his three sons were down here in 1638. Uh, I'm a bit skeptical on that. Uh, I've seen it in print locally here, but I've never found any justification uh, for it. And I rather doubt it, uh, because uh, with uh, so many Indians uh, in the area, uh, I think a white man might think it would be dangerous for a single family to live off the wilderness uh, by itself. On the other hand, when they did come down, it had to have been in the spring of 1639, because Ludlow found them already settled here, when he came along in August. And in those days, until 1752, uh, the year was uh, begun as two different dates. And March 25th uh, was the beginning of the year in many calendars. You will find when you're uh, looking at, at uh, uh, historical references, it may say 632 slash 3. 
uh, that means that it was in what we would now call 1633, between January 1st and March 25th. It's possible the Judsons came down early in, uh, early in the spring uh, to help prepare things uh, for uh, the uh, rest of the uh, uh, colonials, for Adam Blakeman and, and his uh, group. It wasn't very long before they put this palisade up uh, around. It's a 10-foot high uh, uh, palisade they put around the west and the north side of their village. The east side was the river, the south side was all marsh and, and swamps. And uh, that palisade, uh, they uh, turned the corner and, and uh, the watch house uh, was probably uh, uh, just across the street from us here. The watch house would have been on a high point on the hill and they, outside the palisade to the north, uh, they would have cut the trees down so they could see people coming. Uh, so the palisade was probably uh, just across the street here, near where you park your cars. There's an old legend that a tunnel ran from this house to the palisade, but there's a lot of tunnel uh, legends in uh, Stratford, and I haven't found verification for any of them. They did not immediately put up pine log cabins and things like that. Uh, this is what the English colonists uh, lived in. They lived in a, a something called a cellar here, where you would uh, uh, dig out the bank and, and put a sod roof over it, or uh, in what they called an English wigwam which was kind of a cross between the, uh, the, the uh, Indian wigwam and, and an English charcoal burner's hut. It was a long time before they, they built anything that looked approximately like what we think of as a colonial home. But they did uh, erect the uh, church building fairly early, and the, and the churches uh, that they built were a little more civilized looking than most of the pictures uh, of them uh, show. Uh, they would have been uh, finished off, the uh, uh, beams and, and uh, posts would have been finished probably with adzes, uh, possibly some hand-sawn stuff, uh, and would have uh, vertical planking on the uh, outside of it. Uh, essentially, uh, that, that's what they would have. And, and it's, it's just possible that they sent a ship down here from Hartford and Wethersfield with the framing already uh, uh, ready to uh, put up. That was often done when you started a new uh, colony. We don't know. Uh, the thing stood uh, down at the intersection of uh, Elm Street and South Avenue. That's where the town began, that little harbor that we now call uh, Max Harbor. They had many things to frighten them. They were uh, afraid of the Dutch, and the Dutch were afraid of them. They were afraid of wolves, and wolves were usually afraid of them. Uh, they were afraid of the Indians, and the Indians were afraid of them. And they were afraid of spirits and witches, and I can't uh, comment on whether the witches and spirits were afraid of them. But, uh, uh, there, there is a, a uh, story here that, that uh, uh, one of these is, is a uh, Judson, uh, but a couple of these uh, fellows were up close to Newtown. They found some wild grain, and they harvested the grain. They were on their way back, and a pack of wolves attacked them. And uh, this is the uh, story of uh, uh, Joshua Judson a lot of fellows uh, being uh, attacked by wolves on the way home. Stratford did hang a witch. Uh, we Again, we know very little about Goody Bassett. There's nothing that tells us who she was. I think perhaps her name was Lydia and she was Thomas Bassett's wife. Uh, but we're not dead sure. And incidentally, most of the Bassett family believes that too. But uh, we're not dead sure. Uh, there, there were two witchcraft uh, scares in town. The first of them was in the late 1640s and early 1650s. 
and uh, Cody Bassett was hung in 1651. And the, and the major references to that are uh, beforehand the, uh, uh, in, the, in the colonial records. The governor uh, was uh, ordered by the uh, uh, council uh, to go down to Stratford and, and run a court for the trial of the witch Bassett. Uh, later, the New Haven colony records and New Haven remained an independent colony uh, 11 years after that, before it became part of uh, Connecticut. Uh, later, the New Haven colony referred to the fact that uh, uh, the witch was executed at Stratford. Uh, so it did happen, and uh, we don't know that she was hung, but that was the usual mode of execution. They had some more horrible ones uh, that they used. But that was the normal one. And uh, there is an area of Stratford where West Broad Street goes under the uh, railroad now, where formerly there were things called uh, Gallows Swamp, and Gallows Hill, and Gallows Brook. So it's assumed that uh, she went to her death out there. Uh, that's. <laughs> this is a, uh, a uh, photograph of, of the first John Birdsey. Uh, John Birdsey was not a Stratford man, he was a Milford man, but the rules were pretty rough in uh, Stratford. But they're even worse in the New Haven colony, and Milford was part of the New Haven colony. And uh, unfortunate, poor unfortunate John was caught one Sunday morning kissing his wife. And for that, on the next day, uh, they uh, clapped him in irons, and, 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 uh, or at least they intended to clap him in irons, and, and they were taking him off to jail, and he escaped. He swam across the river, waved, this is him waving back to the uh, waved back to Milford, and stayed in Stratford for the rest of his life. The next week, his wife came over and joined him, and in Stratford, they were allowed to kiss on Sundays. It was a big town. Uh, the town is about 19 square miles now. Here it is down here. It was 112 square miles when it was uh, uh, first uh, founded. Uh, in fact, it was so big that so many of these people, as they uh, in the second and third generation, as they began to immigrate out, they couldn't get down to the uh, three annual meetings that uh, uh, they had. They had one in the fall, one in the uh, uh, spring, and sometimes one in January. Uh, and people just couldn't travel that far. Uh, the roads weren't that good. So up here, uh, a fellow named Daniel Shelton and, uh, his, and, and uh, a group in here formed uh, a separate parish. And they got the approval of the legislator to do that. And uh, his, he had come from a town called Ripton in, uh, Repton in uh, England. So they called it Ripton Parish. Today it's known as Shelton. It's named after him. Uh, same thing happened uh, here where uh, uh, the Nicholses uh, uh, couldn't get back down to uh, uh, Stratford, and they formed a little uh, parish here that has had uh, uh, several names. It was called Nichols Farms uh, to start with. Uh, then uh, they combined with uh, the Long Hill area, called themselves Unity. Well, I found they weren't all that united. And uh, in 1797, it became a separate town, Trumbull. Uh, the upper half of, of uh, Huntington and Shelton uh, spun off into uh, Monroe. And a little hunk over here of uh, what became Easton and about two-thirds of Bridgeport. So that's what happened to Stratford. It was, as I say, it was five to six times as big as it is now. 
uh, in the beginning, and it was uh, the uh, year that they started using the Constitution, 1789, that the first pump of it, which was about 50% of it, spun off, and then it went downhill from there. Mm -hmm. The uh, Congregational Church was the only church uh, throughout the uh, 17th century. Uh, and uh, even though uh, they had big arguments amongst themselves, and one group spun off and went up and founded Woodbury and things like that, uh, they did grow. And uh, they had to put uh, uh, galleries in the church so that instead of seating 100 people, they could seat closer to 200. And then finally, they built a newer church uptown. Uptown being across the street here, just east of where the monument is, across the way. Uh, had arguments as to where they should have it, but uh, gradually the uh, the newer buildings in the 1680s were uh, being built further north. So they came up to here, and they they then called uh, uh, Watch House Hill. And the name gradually changed to Meeting House Hill. Uh, this is a fellow. Uh, his name is is uh, Benjamin Lewis, who came into town and claimed he was a carpenter, and uh, they said, "Well, prove it to us." So he took off his gloves and laid them on the bench, and he carved a trunnel. Uh, a trunnel, for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, Judson House and most of the others were put together with uh, wooden pegs called tree nails, and the name became corrupted to trunnel. So he carved the trunnel uh, on his glove without uh, uh, putting a cut in the, in the glove. They hired him. He did a very good job putting the church together, and uh, he put uh, uh, and for that, uh, he received a piece of property over in part of what is Sterling Park now, uh, and part of what is the uh, library property uh, today. And it, it was apparently good land. We know he grew watermelons there. The reason we know he grew watermelons there is when Joshua Judson was 16, it's in the uh, uh, Stratford records, that he was arrested for stealing Mr. Lewis's watermelons. Uh, on a... Uh, how did they put it? Uh, in, in the light of the moon or something like that. Uh, but uh, young uh, Judson and the two other guys went over and uh, tried to take Mr. Lewis's watermelons. So the, the Judsons were, they were pretty good people. Uh, but uh, like everyone else, they got into occasional trouble. This uh, uh, Joshua's father uh, uh, had been arrested for selling fire water to the Indians shortly before that. Uh, the firewater, uh, the earliest firewater, by the way, uh, would have been uh, cider. Uh, they'd have made their own cider and they'd have hardened it up in the winter time by just letting it freeze and then taking the frozen water out. Uh, later, and, and I'll get into this, uh, uh, later uh, uh, as they started uh, uh, building ships in Stratford, they did build a lot of ships in Stratford, uh, and started trading with uh, the West Indies. Uh, then, of course, uh, rum became the main drink. The, uh, in 1665, uh, Reverend Blakeman died. Uh, he had a young assistant. Uh, the, the fellow was uh, in his 20s. But they had Blakeman for so many years, and they respected him so much, that they weren't all that uh, uh, happy uh, with, uh, uh, with the uh, uh, second minister. His name was Chauncey, Israel Chauncey. Uh, but they did finally make him minister, and later on, as time went on, uh, Chauncey did become uh, uh, much more respected. He was not only a minister, he was a physician. 
and uh, he went out uh, to be surgeon for the army during the uh, 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 King Philip's War. King Philip was uh, an Indian uh, uh, chief in, in Rhode Island that, that caused all the Indians in, in New England to uh, uh, an uprising. Uh, and during that period, uh, the minister, Israel Chauncey, became a physician in the uh, colonial troops. Did another thing. Uh, this says the first meeting of the trustees. What this is, is trustees for the uh, collegiate school. In uh, 1701, the colony decided that it needed a, a college, a collegiate school. And uh, they appointed Israel Chauncey and, uh, and uh, some other ministers uh, to uh, found this school, to start the school. They did that. They wanted Chauncey to be its first, they didn't call him president, they called him rectors, to be its first rector. He didn't do that, so someone else went on to uh, do that. Uh, the school is Yale University. Uh, by the way, uh, I live on, uh, on the property that was Chauncey's. So the man who, one of the first people to own my property, uh, founded Yale University. As they went to the West Indies, uh, they took down there uh, uh, barrels. Uh, we made our own barrels in uh, town, too. Uh, there were uh, uh, barrel makers uh, in, in Stratford, and it was the major means of, of, uh, of uh, stowing uh, not only liquid things like, like uh, uh, salt meat and, and uh, stuff, but it was, it was also a means of, of stowing uh, uh, ground corn. And we ground a lot of corn here. The millers really were the uh, uh, the, the uh, first people in town to prosper. The second people to prosper in town were the ship owners and the sailors. So they would take uh, uh, this uh, ground grain and uh, salt meat, uh, a little bit of wood uh, when it was allowed by the uh, colony, but, but there, wasn't, there wasn't all that much good wood in uh, New England after a generation or two. They would take that kind of thing down to the uh, West Indies, and they'd trade. And they would come back with salt, and sugar, and molasses, and rum. They did become prosperous enough to put up buildings uh, like this. You're going to get another lecture in, a, in, a, in about a month on, on uh, various types of architecture, uh, uh, or on post and beam construction, that kind of thing. So I'm not going to go into this in detail. But this is the end of the colonial period. We don't know exactly when the house was built. You find on the plaque it says 1723. That's based on something written in the 19th century by a Judson descendant who was writing the family history. And she said specifically, uh, X number of years ago, uh, uh, this house was built by uh, uh, David Judson. And when you do the subtraction, you come out to 1723. Uh, Dr. Cummings up in uh, Yale, and Abbott Cummings is the uh, outstanding authority on uh, 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 historical architecture, uh, thinks it was later than that, and I think probably it was too. There's a possibility it was built in two halves, and, and uh, again, uh, he, he puts that surmise out, points out a couple reasons for it. But uh, as you go through the house, up at, the, uh, at the top of the stairs to the attic, uh, you see in white paint, the initials JB 1768. That has to be the year uh, that uh, Joseph Booth, uh, who was one of the uh, uh, prominent joiners, carpenters, uh, in uh, town, 
did something on the house. Whether we put in the panel, built the west half, or built the whole house, I don't know. But his initials and the date are up there. And, and he, was, he was an outstanding uh, uh, carpenter. End of the colonial uh, period. They were prosperous. Aside from uh, uh, transport by shipping, uh, the old Indian Trail gradually became the, uh, uh, the King's Highway. Uh, the first record of a woman uh, traveling the King's Highway, uh, undoubtedly they did before this, but in 1704, Sarah Knight came down with the uh, post rider and uh, rode the highway all the way from Boston to New York. And she kept a diary. And her comment on Stratford, she had breakfast, in, or started to have breakfast, uh, breakfast in Stratford, and uh, her comment was that the uh, that the pumpkin bread and one-eyed punch was, was so bad in Stratford <laughs> that we fed the horses and went on to Fairfield for breakfast. Uh, and incidentally, uh, I think she's wrong uh, because, uh, and I'm going to write this up when I get a chance, uh, Vivian has been making pumpkin bread and one-eyed punch, and I make one-eyed punch. They're both pretty good. <laughs> but they did come into the towns, and, and, and starting in uh, 1673, from then on in, a, a post rider came through. And uh, they would uh, split it up between New York and Boston. There might be three of them, and they'd hand it on to each other. Just like Pony Express later on, but not so fast. Uh, it took about five days for a mail to get from New York to Boston, which is about what it takes to get from here to Putney now. Right. <laughs> And across the river, they didn't have a bridge, they had a ferry. Uh, I won't go into uh, detail on, on uh, uh, that, but toward the end, I believe they had a, a uh, and, and I'm still exploring this, I found that they had a horse boat. I didn't know what a horse boat was. I thought a horse boat was something that, uh, that you kept carts and uh, that you transported uh, horses in. But it turns out, uh, from something I read just recently, that a horse boat, boat was actually mechanically uh, propelled by a horse on a treadmill. And I'm trying to find out more about this to find out whether that was the kind of ferry we uh, ended up with. That ended in 1802. Uh, prior to that, in 1752, uh, Ben Franklin came through and with the uh, magic uh, odometer on, on the wheels of, of his uh, uh, chase, uh, he uh, measured off the miles and told his men where to put the milestones in. Uh, this one stands uh, over uh, just east of Brody's Drugstore. Uh, milestone 15 to New Haven is uh, halfway up uh, West Broad Street Hill. Uh, those are the two remaining ones uh, in what's left of Stratford. You'll find another one on the green and Bridgeport. It wasn't easy. One of these, well, three of these uh, uh, post riders uh, were, in, were Stratford people. And it was uh, Ebenezer Hurd, who uh, was an old man by this time, he was approaching 70, uh, who on April 20th, 1775, I believe, came through Stratford and told the people in, in uh, Stratford that the war had begun in Lexington. Uh, it was on April uh, uh, 18th uh, that, they put out, that they sent Israel Bissell out. I think Bissell in Saybrook gave the message to uh, this fellow and uh, I know Fairfield didn't get it till uh, 12 hours after Stratford. So I think what happened was when he got home to Stratford, he stayed the night and set off to Fairfield the next morning. But it was noon before they got it. And that's one of the reasons I think that probably it, it was uh, uh, Stratford's post writer heard who delivered this message at the beginning of the revolution. 
Uh, shortly after, uh, George Washington made his, his uh, third uh, trip through uh, Stratford. He had been through Stratford uh, in 1757, but he came through on the way to Boston to uh, uh, take over the Continental Army. Uh, he was back again in a couple months because the uh, British evacuated Boston, of course, and, and uh, then he had a battle in New York where they did, in fact, uh, come into New York mm -hmm. and stay there. And a lot of people moved out of, uh, of uh, New York at that time. Washington liked the Stratford people. He liked the Stratford individuals. He liked all the Connecticut people because they did so much more than anyone else uh, to uh, help him out. The number of uh, recruits from Connecticut uh, per unit population was much higher than anywhere else. Uh, I can't recall the details now, but uh, the second largest number of, of troops came from Connecticut, half as many as from Massachusetts, even though Connecticut was much smaller. And uh, when uh, he needed supplies, they delivered supplies. We had our own cannon factory up here in, in, in uh, uh, the upper corner of the state. There was a gunpowder mill somewhere in, in Stratford. Uh, we sent to the West Indies for uh, gunpowder uh, to start with, uh, but then later on, as, as the uh, uh, coasts were guarded by the uh, Royal Navy, the, uh, we, we started making our own gunpowder in the state. And somewhere here in Stratford, uh, there was a powder mill. We talked about uh, General Worcester being the Stratford hero. Well, actually, Worcester was born in what is part of Shelton now, and only lived there for nine years before the family moved to Derby and then to New Haven. Worcester was really a, a New Haven man, and uh, we shouldn't take credit for him. Uh, he did not live in any part of what is uh, now Stratford. <coughs> in the Battle of Richfield in 1777, he was a hero. He, he uh, charged the uh, British, but he paid for it with his life. But Stratford did have his heroes. Uh, David Hawley, uh, a uh, ship captain. Uh, Hawley was under uh, uh, Benedict Arnold. Arnold was on our side then. Uh, Arnold, by the way, was a, a, a very good patriot. Uh, and and uh, the Congress did him wrong. And it was that that turned him around and, and, uh, uh, and made him switch sides. But in 1776, he fought some good battles uh, up the Hudson River. And it was on Lake Champlain that he had a little fleet built. And David Hawley was uh, skipper of uh, the largest vessel in the little fleet. And uh, this, this was the uh, schooner Royal Savage. Royal Savage still lies in Lake Champlain. She's under 14 feet of water near Valcour Island. The Americans lost the battle, but they prevented uh, General Burgoyne from sweeping down to New York from Canada, cutting the colonies in half and ending the revolution right there. So Stratford has a terror, and, and Hawley was one of them. He went on to do some other uh, interesting things. Uh, here in uh, Fairfield County, uh, General Stillman was, was uh, the uh, uh, commander uh, of uh, the uh, regiment in this part of, of, of the state. It was Stillman's wife at the local chapter of the DAR. But the British down in New York, uh, decided that uh, they were going to play havoc with these people, so they put a boat ashore in Fairfield, and they captured General Silliman and his oldest son, and took them down to Brooklyn, and, and uh, kind of imprisoned them there. Or at least they, uh, what, you know, when he took a general, he didn't exactly go to the, uh, uh, the old sugar mill like the rest of the prisoners. He uh, uh, was taken fairly well care of. But he was incarcerated, and he was in Brooklyn, he couldn't get back here. 
And so in those days, to get them back, what you did was swap. If you had one of their people of, of the, the same caliber, and uh, they had one of yours, you'd trade them back, and, and, and uh, they'd each uh, get to go home. Well, we didn't have any one of the, uh, of, of the uh, stature of uh, uh, Silliman uh, that the Brits wanted. So what did David Hawley do? He organized a party to go over to Long Island, uh, a bunch of whaleboats, and they marched about 20 miles inland, and they captured Judge uh, Jones, the loyalist Judge Jones. And they brought him back to Connecticut. They put him in Silliman's house. Mrs. Silliman said he was cranky. Well, yeah, uh, but they, did, they made the swap, and they got the general back, and the judge then went back to Long Island. <laughs> David Hawley and group did that. I mentioned that New Yorkers uh, uh, were, uh, uh, they, they left uh, uh, Manhattan Island when the uh, uh, British took it over. And a great many did. And uh, just recently we have uh, discovered uh, that the whole uh, New York uh, the synagogue, uh, oh, I should know its name. Portuguese and uh, Spanish synagogue. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, uh, of, uh, of the name of the head of the synagogue. In any case, his group came to Connecticut, and they lived in, what is it? I think it's Shehel of Israel. I just read about a wedding there, and that's the name of the synagogue. The synagogue, yeah. 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 But his, his name, it was, a, name? It was, it was a, he, uh, he had a Portuguese name. Well, uh, I'll, uh, I, I can look it up. I've got it in the book. Uh, but he came up to uh, Connecticut. And it turns out that his little group, and I don't know whether there were enough to establish a congregation or not, but he did have a group of, it may have been 10 men, it may have been fewer, it may have been a few more, but he did have a little group that stayed in Stratford during the war. One of the uh, uh, most outstanding persons in this group was Meyer Myers. Meyer Myers was a silversmith. And the things that Myers did were better, I think, than what Paul Revere did. If you go up to the uh, Yale Art Gallery, you'll see some Meyer spoons and some other Meyer uh, silver on exhibit there. This is something that uh, he did for uh, uh, one of the Sheltons, for Daniel Shelton to give to his daughter uh, for her uh, wedding. His Meyer stuff was really, uh, really good. Uh, apparently, he, he lived in a, uh, or uh, he worked anyhow, in a little shed that was up somewhere near Paradise Green uh, on uh, Huntington Road. There's some reference to that in, in uh, uh, the 250th anniversary uh, uh, thing. And we discovered, uh, in, in addition to uh, these references, uh, we discovered in some old uh, uh, journals that we have, uh, some old account books, uh, his dealings on getting corn ground and things of that sort here in Stratford. So we know about when uh, he was here. And he paid his last bill that's uh, still in our records uh, in uh, 1781. So, and, and so apparently they went back to New York just about as soon as the British evacuated. Uh, uh, they went back. Outstanding craftsman. Stratford man. We can claim him at least for those five years. Uh, Washington came back to Stratford again in, in uh, uh, 17, 1780, in uh, September 1780. The story is that uh, uh, General Lafayette uh, came to the ferryman and asked uh, which way to Benjamin's Tavern. And the answer uh, from David, the, uh, the ferryman was, yonder is the tavern keeper's daughter. 
and she was out picking blueberries. And, and uh, so she led him to uh, Benjamin's Tavern. It was located uh, uh, later where the Frederick Benjamin House uh, uh, was built in the 1860s. Uh, but the, the tavern was located on, uh, it's kind of the west end of, of uh, uh, South Parade or, or the Broad Street Green, the West Broad Street Green that we're talking about. So they had breakfast together and then both of them went east again. They went up to Lebanon where they conferred with uh, Governor uh, Trumbull. Uh, Washington always referred to him as uh, Brother Jonathan because Brother Jonathan was a, a wonderful old, old man and he, he did uh, great things. Uh, for the Continental Army. Washington liked him. They conferred with him, uh, and Russian Bo, General Russian Bo, uh, came up from uh, Newport, where he had just landed with thousands of French troops. They marched the French troops uh, overland. Uh, they uh, uh, encamped uh, one night in part of what was Stratford then. Uh, it's uh, Monroe now. Uh, they marched over to the Hudson, and the whole Continental Army, French and Americans, then marched down to Virginia. And of course, it was the following, following October uh, uh, that they had the Battle of Yorktown, and the Revolution was over. So, in a way, you can say, gee, that whole series of events started in our town with a meeting a block and a, and a half away here uh, between Lafayette and Washington. By the way, Mrs. Benjamin served them a, uh, a for breakfast. She served them a rare treat. Uh, if you've been reading the New York Times, you know this is down in, in uh, Francis Tavern yes, for yes. tomorrow. There's a great big uh, 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 outline of, of, of the uh, uh, foods that they're going to be serving in honor of Washington's birthday. It's mine too, by the way. I'm 191 years younger than he is. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I read this, this uh, list with interest, and the thing missing from it was the rare treat that she served them. She served them potatoes. Potatoes? Potatoes. In, 17, potatoes. in 1776, uh, the white potato was hard to come by. It was a, a rare and, and delicate uh, treat. And now it's... Uh, Mr. Knapp, I have a, a question uh, before we go on. And um, uh, there was a uh, Weathersby. There's that uh, where the three houses are there, the, you know, the historical houses. Uh, that they had Rochambeau and Washington and I don't know somebody else. They planned the um, the the Southern campaign. The Southern campaign. Absolutely. That, that's where it was. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Those, uh, and and he and Lafayette were down here just a day and a half before that. Yeah. Starting to talk about it. So they came here. They were here and then they went over there. But they they stayed. Uh, yeah. Stay, yeah. Because the, the Rochambeau was not in Stratford. He oh. he went directly from Newport diagonally up to uh, Lebanon and. Yeah. Yep. Of all the uh, uh, Stratford people, probably the, uh, uh, in my mind, the most dominant, prominent, uh, and he isn't prominent nationally. Very few people seem to know him very much anymore. Uh, but he was William Samuel Johnson. Uh, I refer to him as the editor of the Constitution because, among other things, uh, he chaired the uh, committee of five men that after they had the whole thing uh, done, they spent a week polishing it up and putting it into beautiful prose. And uh, I have seen the uh, 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 hump of the preamble before they did it. And you know what it uh, says now. It's quite different. Uh, he's not credited uh, uh, with this. One of the others is, uh, and I really think, or, or it was uh, Madison who, who uh, said that, uh, who, one of the Pennsylvania people, Morris, 
uh, wrote the uh, Constitution, actually wrote the final version of the Constitution. Well, he did, because Johnson had a, a, a shaking hand. His handwriting was terrible, uh, but his uh, the flow of words were absolutely beautiful. Uh, Noah Webster used to write him letters asking what words meant. Ah, it's true. And uh, the artist uh, here, in the early 1900s, this thing was painted, seems to have recognized uh, uh, Johnson's uh, 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 importance because Ellsworth and, and uh, uh, old Roger Sherman are, are sitting behind him in this picture. Uh, but he, uh, the Connecticut Compromise, of course, that, that made the Constitution possible because the uh, big state people down south didn't go home mad, uh, was the three men here were the, were the, were the ones mainly who, who uh, cooked it up. And I think Johnson was much more of a leader in that because he was the, uh, the legal man. He had been used to making uh, uh, compromises. Uh, he, he tried to stop the uh, revolution. The governor uh, uh, sent him up to talk to General Gage. And, and, and it could have uh, uh, stopped right after uh, April 19th, actually. Uh, but uh, the Massachusetts people didn't like the idea, and they sent him home. Uh, after the revolution, uh, trade increased. Not only trade with the Caribbean, but uh, trade with the rest of the world. But not everybody was, was freed. By the way, the original of Flora's picture is, is behind you in the frame there. It's become extremely valuable. Just this year, uh, people all over the country have uh, uh, discovered it and made copies of it and written stories on it. But uh, this is a kind of fingerprint. Uh, they use the silhouette. Uh, in order to identify runaways. And uh, this is extremely rare. Uh, I will say that the uh, Institute of Slavery did not last very long in Connecticut or the town of Stratford afterwards. It was as late as 1847 before Connecticut law said there would be no more slavery in Connecticut. But by this time, there were no more slaves in Connecticut. Uh, very early uh, in, in uh, the 1780s, uh, they uh, uh, passed legislation saying that uh, uh, at the age of, of uh, 21, uh, anyone, who was, any, anyone uh, who was born to a slave would be free. So that they were kept uh, as slaves only for the first 21 years of, of their life, except for those who already were. But by uh, 1800, uh, we were down to, I, I don't have the numbers exactly, by 1800, we were down to something like 20 slaves in the whole of Stratford. By 1810, there were four. By 1820, they'd all been emancipated. It wasn't as easy uh, as, as, they didn't make it as easy as you think. But if you did emancipate one of your slaves, uh, you were responsible for that person. You had to care for them. Uh, you, you couldn't just turn them out in the street, put them on, on, on their own. The law said uh, that, that you had to continue to provide for them. And, and that was one of the reasons uh, that uh, they actually slowed down the process a little bit. But it wasn't, it, it was less than 